they will make sure that you get one. If you do not have an outline, please raise your hand. Most of us text, and we enjoy receiving text messages. So I want you to look on the screen as God texts to us today from heaven, okay? Mark chapter 2, verse 23, as we begin. start with verse 23. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry. He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priest, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Continue to read in chapter 3. And he entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Then he said to them, that is, the religious leaders of that day, is, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent, and when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by, their, by the hardness of their hearts. He said to, to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. May the Lord add his blessings the reading of his word. They immediately went out and plotted with the Herodians. That's like the Democrats and the Republicans getting together. Or the Black Panther and the Ku Klux Klan getting together. The religious leaders of that day were constantly dogging Christ. They didn't care that they necessarily that the angels ate 
rather that the disciples ate the wheat. What the disciples were doing, they were going through the field taking the wheat-like grain and rubbing it in their hands and winnowing it by the chaff blowing off and then they would eating it. And to those religious leaders, that was harvesting. It was something that they were not supposed to be doing. They had, they being the religious leaders of, of that day, and by the way, it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians. The Pharisees were separatists. And all of these, these three groups, they were the political religious leaders of Jesus' day. The Pharisees, they held strict keeping of the law. In fact, they had added many of the laws personally themselves to God's law. Someone said 39 more laws that they were supposed to keep. The Herodians were a Jewish political party. In other words, it was the Jews that supported Herod, the Herods that came. And then, of course, the Sadducees, uh, they ridiculed the doctrine of the resurrection. They did not believe in angels. But all of these three groups opposed Jesus Christ. Notice your outline. Mark deals with the subject of keeping of the Sabbath according to the pharisaical interpretation of a law. This passage has two major divisions, the ones that we just read. Verses 23 through 28 give an account of the protest of the Pharisees and the response of our Lord stemming from harvesting of the food on the Sabbath day by the disciples of Jesus Christ. And then Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, this deals with Jesus' healing of the man with the withered hand also on the Sabbath, which they certainly disagree. Well, Jesus had a response to the Pharisees concerning the harvesting or the eating on the Sabbath. And he said, don't you remember of course, saying that to a Pharisee was an insult because they spent their life remembering. They spent their life studying the Word of God. And so Jesus saying to them, don't you remember, was an insult. But he said, don't you remember when David was running from Saul? King Saul and how that he and his men went into the temple and ate the holy bread on the altar? Jesus said that was not held against them. Don't you remember the priest? They worked on the Sabbath. They labored on the Sabbath. And that was certainly not held against them. And then in the temple when he was about to pray with the man with the withered hand, he said, is it right to do good or evil on the Sabbath? 
And in Matthew, it talks about, in fact, three Gospels cover this story about caring for humans or animals more. Don't ask that today. Because people are very concerned about their animals while aborting millions and millions of human beings. But he said, are you caring more? He said, why? If a sheep falls into the ditch, won't you get him out on the Sabbath? Well, should not this man that is afflicted, should not he be healed and made whole? So you see, these Pharisees were not necessarily concerned about the disciples eating or not necessarily concerned about the man. In fact, I believe that's one of the reasons that Christ looked at them with anger is because of their, their callousness, if you were, concerning human beings. We as a church, we as believers, should care for those that are suffering, for those that are in trouble. And we should do everything possible that, possibly that we could in order to reach out. Notice your outline. The Pharisees coming at Jesus with four different accusations. And we've been through this as we're walking or as we're studying the book of Mark. The Pharisees previously, previously are upset over Jesus' association with sinners. The Pharisees are upset over Jesus' disciples not fasting as we went through that at length. The Pharisees are upset about a Sabbath violation. A Sabbath violation. Three things about the law that I want to mention to you. Three things about the law. We must not let the law obscure the lawgiver. Number two, we must not let the letter of the law obscure the heart of the law. And some do that. And number three, we don't need to find rest in our rule keeping. Wow. That's a message in itself, those three things about the law. It's one thing to keep the Sabbath. It's one thing to keep the law, which no one can really keep the law. Because Jesus did not do yet Jesus did not do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law. It is important. The Pharisees are upset about a healing that took place on, of course, the Sabbath. All of this concerning the disciples eating on the Sabbath or, or harvesting on the Sabbath and healing on the Sabbath, all of this was a thinly veiled attack upon Jesus Christ himself. That's what it's all about. Their motive was to find fault with Christ, with Jesus. Look at the Sabbath. The word Sabbath is a very simple word, sabaton. It's taken from sabaton. 
It basically means to cease. It means a complete cessation, the stopping of something. And for someone to break the Sabbath under the law for the Pharisees was one of the worst things that they certainly could do. First of all, he says, Jesus, that Sabbath law was never intended to restrict, listen to this, needs of necessity. Secondly, it was never meant to restrict service to God. It was meant to bring rest to mankind, certainly not hardship to mankind. Thirdly, the the Sabbath law, it was never meant to restrict acts of mercy. In other words, the ruler, God, Jesus, is more important than the rule. Talking about the Sabbath. We live more by relationships than by rules, more by grace than law. I love these statements. I just, I mean, each one is a message, and I hope, you, hope you're, you're, you're following this and understand. Let me read it again. We live more by relationship than by rules, more by grace than by law. That's the reason Christ came, that we, you and I, mankind, whoever, might have a relationship with Jesus Christ because we can't keep the rules. Only through and by the power of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to read Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Let's notice this. Jesus texts again, okay? Here we go. Then he went out from there and came to his own country. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished. And he's in his hometown. It's like me going back to Sampson County and preaching in Clinton and Notice they were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which he is, which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Verse 3. Is this not the carpenter? They watched him grow up as a child. They watched him play out in the yard. They watched him when he became a carpenter and made yokes for oxen and made tables and chairs and built plows that they might plow with. And they watched him do all of this and they asked the question, is not this the carpenter? It's the son of Mary and the brother of James, Josie, Judas, and Simon. And are not his sisters here with us? Are you telling me this man that they say and that is performing all the miracles and that the people are following him by the thousands? I know Joseph, his brother. I know his sisters. I know his dad and his mom. And then this scripture makes a statement that is so vitally important. 
so they were offended at him. Why? Because he's not supposed to be this who he says he is. And I, I, I like what Eugene Peterson said in the message concerning they were offended at him. It says they, he says that they tripped over what little they knew about him and fell sprawling and they never got any further. We are living in a culture today that trips over what little they know about Jesus Christ. In fact, we are living supposedly, listen at me, we are living supposedly in a culture generation of enlightenment. Can I ask you a question? May I ask you a question? If we're living in a culture and a generation of enlightenment, why is there so much ignorance? But they stumbled over what little they knew about him. There's a lot of people, in fact, Pentecostal people that know just enough about Jesus Christ to make them dangerous. Offensive. You got to know him. You got to know him more than just Joseph's brother. And Joseph's. I'm saying Josie, J-O-S-E-S. And then Joseph's son and Mary's son and the guy down the street that built the chairs and the tables and the ox yokes and the plows because Jesus is more than that. The whole thing was that these Pharisees and these Herodians and these Sadducees and the religious leaders and the many people of that day, the one thing about it, it was not about eating wheat. It was not about healing the man on the Sabbath. It was the one thing that they could not accept. They could accept God. You see, our our, our society today could accept God just so that he can be Muhammad that he can be the prophet Muhammad or that he can be uh, some other God. They could, they could accept, but the one thing they could not accept was Jesus Christ. These athletes that they, that many of them, they'll have a testimony and they'll thank God for their faith. That's okay because you can have faith in anything. And I'm not saying that many of those that say that, that they do not have faith in Jesus Christ because I believe they do. They can talk about God. But you let a a Hollywood star, you let a, a, a sports person or anyone on television or anyone anywhere say anything about Jesus Christ and that's like rubbing a cat the wrong way. They don't want Jesus. Our society, our society, our culture today totally 
No, 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 I shouldn't say totally. Many of them reject Jesus Christ. And that was the problem. That was the problem here. Isaiah says it this way in chapter 53 and verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. We're living in a day when people despise Jesus Christ and they reject him. And you know why? I put here, why do people refuse to accept Jesus today? The Bible says he came into his own and even his own received him not. I'll list four things here at the bottom of your page. Notice, because of unbelief, they refuse to believe God. Paul right into the church at Corinth said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4, listen at it. He says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them. Ah! They don't want it. They don't want it because of unbelief. They refuse to accept Jesus Christ, number two, because he reveals their sin and they don't want to face it or <clears throat> to admit it. John put it this way. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. Everyone didn't say that sin. It says practicing sin. For everyone that practices sin, he says, hates the light and does not come to the light lest is his deeds should be exposed. That's good preaching. <laughs> I mean, it's important that we understand why people, now this should not stop us from witnessing. This should not stop us from believing God, the sovereign God of the universe, and with the power of God, that we cannot go out here and change people's minds. Just because some believe a certain way doesn't mean that we shouldn't believe what Christ said and preach and teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But folks, you're up against it today. That's not a negative. That's just a, that's just a, a, a truth that we need to understand. In order to change the culture, in order to change the people that we deal with, we're going to need to know, first of all, God's word. And second of all, we're going to need the power of God with us. When a Bruce Jenner can sit around and talk about how that there's a woman on the inside of him, I'll tell you what's on the inside of Bruce Jenner. It's not a woman. It's the demonic powers of hell. You said, how do you know? I know because the Bible says that God made them male and female. God made them that way. And anything else, the devil made it. Now, you can take me out and hang me if you want to, but I'm just telling you that you and I are up against it today. 
Because that's what the world wants to believe and they want the church to stop preaching the gospel, the truth. But the Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. You could not watch that man and I watched him about five minutes and then I went somewhere else. I couldn't take it no longer. God in heaven. We had a lady, we had a wedding here yesterday and this lady came in with another lady and I had been knowing this lady for woman all my life and she says, I want to introduce you to my wife. I'm sorry, folks. I'm just too old to, to accept that. Maybe I need to get with it. I don't know. But when a woman comes up and introduces another woman as her wife, something goes all over me. You say, what did you do? I would loved her, hugged her, and talked to her for about 30 minutes and did everything I can to let her know I loved her. I'm just saying that we're living in a culture today that, you listen, they'll accept a lot of things. But when you include Jesus Christ, because, because you can't do all those things and know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That, that, that light, that darkness is there, and they don't want the light. Number three, the reason people will not accept Jesus is his life and teachings contradict theirs and they're unwilling to give up their lifestyles. The Bible says you can't love the world and love the Father. Don't get angry at me. I'm just, I'm just a delivery boy. You got to take it up with him. The fourth reason that they will not accept is because he demands total commitment and they want to rule their own lives. We're living in a day, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it talks about, it talks about the characteristics of the end time. Men shall be lovers of themselves, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, unthankful, unholy. Are we living in the last days? You better believe it. When people don't want to accept Jesus Christ. Psalms. Let me say it again. He demands total commitment and they want to rule their own lives. Read with me as he texts to us again. Psalms chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Against who? The Lord. Who is the Lord? Jesus Christ. Against the Lord. Go, he goes on. The, and against his anointed saying. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. That's the reason they don't want to follow Jesus. That's the reason they don't like Jesus. Because of his life is a testimony and a life that changes our lifestyle. And when you really get to know him. I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure we have enough people crying out against sin tonight. I love what Brother Matt is doing for Thursday night. 
You say, repent? You don't hear that much today. Well, John the Baptist preached it, and it seems like that Jesus came forth. The first thing he preached was repentance. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens, verse 4, shall laugh. These people that are so against God and Christ and, and right, right and, and truth. Let me say it this way, truth. Of course, truth is what everybody wants it to be today. If you want truth to be your truth or this to be your truth. This lady was talking to me that introduced me to her wife and she said, I'm praying for your son. Rejection of Jesus Christ. The Redeemer was the object and contempt and scorn alike for the Pharisees. They don't want it. They don't want to see Christ. They don't want to read the Bible. They don't want to hear about Jesus Christ because it reveals who they are. Amen? There was an African chief that happened to visit a mission station, hanging outside the missionary's hut on a tree was a little mirror. The chief happened to look into the mirror and saw his reflection, complete with terrifying paint and threatening features. He gazed at his own frightening countenance and asked, who is that horrible looking person in that tree? All the missionaries said, it is not in the tree. The glass is a reflection of your face. The African would not believe it until he held the mirror in his hand and he said, I must have this glass. How much will you sell it for? Oh, the missionary said, I don't want to sell it. But the chief begged until he agreed, thinking it might be best to sell it to avoid trouble. So he named a price and he took the mirror, exclaiming, I will never have it making faces at me again. And he threw it to the ground and he broke it. You see, God's word is like a mirror. And when we look into it, we see ourselves. And we might not like what we see. All the ugliness and all the sin. I'm not talking about physically. And all the wrong in our lives. And it reveals to us. And rather than saying what we're doing Wednesday night, Father, forgive me. Rather than repenting, we take the word of God, we throw it to the ground, and we step on it and said, it'll never condemn me again. I'm not going back to that church. I'm not going to read that anymore. I'm not going to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and convict me anymore. And many people have seared their hearts with a hot iron, and they have no conviction any longer. How about a hush? I've I've got enough on my plate and your plate to digest for a long time. I hope, I hope you understand. 
I hope you understand that these people rejected, they were not rejecting the law. They were not rejecting Jehovah. They were, not, they were rejecting the very one that God Almighty sent to redeem mankind. One of the things that we read that people will be in the last days, we will be unthankful. Can we take about three minutes to think of something that we can be thankful for. Someone says, I say grace every day. I say grace every time I eat. That's great. I commend you for that. But how often do we stop and for a few moments say thank you, Lord? I thank you that my son can move a hand. Last Tuesday, for the fifth time, we were broken into my wife and I's home. If you've never been robbed and broken into, it's terrible. He said, how do you feel about that, Pastor? Are you thankful for it? No. I'm kind of like Matthew Henry, the, the great commentator of years of past. Matthew Henry was beaten and robbed. And they asked him about it. He said, I'm thankful. Thankful? You're thankful? Yes. First of all, they, they could have killed me. They beat him up, but they didn't kill him. Second of all, I didn't have much, so, and we didn't have much. They didn't get nothing. I felt sorry. No, I didn't. <laughs> but we got them on camera. God got him on his camera a long time before we got him on our camera. He said, second of all, I didn't have much, so did he get much? And the third thing he thanked God for, he said, I thank God that I was the one that was robbed and not the one that was robbing. 